we'll kick off what is something a little bit different for us. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you that this Easter time, you are always speaking to us and showing mm. us more of this amazing story and what it means in our lives. And we pray right now, whether this is the very first time we've thought about this or whether this is the millionth time we've thought about this story, that you would reveal something new of who you are, of the good news of Jesus and of what it means for our lives this week. And we pray for those of us who are sharing, that you would give us the right words mm. and for the people hearing that they would receive from you. Amen. 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 A millionth Thank time, you. that would be impressive. Well, it? I don't know. I mean, it depends how many times you've... How old you are. Yeah, how old... <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. How many times you've been to church, I think, was the polite way I was going to say... Another way of saying You're really old. old. You <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much, Becky. Um, so, I decided to look at the sort of... the build-up to Jesus' death. Um, and... For me, there was one really clear bit that really stood out. So um, the two sections that I was reading was from John 11 and John 12. Um, and what really stood out to me was people's earthly desires, um, mm -hmm. the sort of greed, as it were, um, which ultimately led to Jesus' crucifixion so I've got here I've got three sort of either people or groups of people who demonstrate that uh, earthly good desire um, or not good desire but yeah. desire for yeah. goods yeah so um, you're kind of lo looking at the because it's always difficult with this isn't it you've got the whole divine aspect but then there's mm. the the human involvement definitely as well. exactly and if we throw it right back to you know, right back to Adam and Eve in the Bible. Oh, wow. Obviously, that's really good. Right? <laughs> yeah, way, way back, long ago. Um, you know, obviously, that's that was the downfall of of humankind. It yeah. wasn't it. It was the eating of the apple, um, and understanding or um, knowing sin, as it were. So actually, it's got a huge relevance to the story of Easter. Yeah. Um, so the three. Uh, three people or groups of people. The first one is obviously the Pharisees. Mm. I know. If this were a, if this were a, <laughs> a pantomime, we'd do at this point. <laughs> um, so the Pharisees, and I've got here. So it's in John eleven forty eight. Let me just find it on here. Here we go. So it says, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe him. So just a bit of backstory. This is when Jesus had just. Uh, raised Lazarus from the dead and okay. news was being spread um, that Jesus had done this amazing thing and they were just saying no we can't let this continue. Isn't that, um, isn't that incredible because you know these guys are they're the sort of religious people of the, the time something incredible that they could read about in their mm. own scriptures has happened and uh, and yet they want to suppress the the information about it. I mean, it's just incredible to, to think people would do something like that. Exactly, and actually, in a moment, we'll find out they're not the only ones. Um, but it says, and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Mm. So again, it's the, they're, even though they've got the evidence glaringly obvious in their faces of Jesus has done this thing, actually, the, their focus is on the temples. It's, 
it's what's what can they hold on to what can give them power um and ignoring um jesus yeah because there's a lot of fear there isn't it they obviously yeah. want to hang on to status definitely exactly it is it's that status that power um you've then got the rabbi or the rabbis in john 12 um and again they believe they like oh we've heard all this about lazarus and jesus raising him from the dead but all they're concerned about is their synagogue um which to me and i'm sure you guys as well clearly defeats the point of having a synagogue that you know was where they were going to praise god and yet clearly they had a far stronger focus on the building itself and not the meaning of going there yeah and i suppose i mean i don't know about you becky but it kind of illustrates for me how difficult it was for them to to see how god was working through jesus and that he was the fulfillment mm. of everything that they'd been expecting because it what it didn't look like they expected yeah exactly um and actually following on from the point it says they loved human praise more than uh, praise from god mm. I love that. John writes that, doesn't he? I love mm. he just sticks that in there just like, just yeah. to explain it for yes. us. Yes. But also, he's like, he's really making a point there, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. But also, that doesn't that hit home for us as well today? How often is it easier to hear human mm-hmm. praise than to recognise God saying, well done? Yeah. That's a challenge for us. It definitely yeah. is. Really, really is. Um, and lastly, the sort of third person is... Judas, um, where we've got the the scene where Mary is washing Jesus' feet with the expensive perfumes, mm-hmm. and all he's interested in is the money bag. Oh, yeah. we should have sold it. Yeah. We should have yeah. got that money. Um, and again, it's that greed. Um, and I've sort of taken those three aspects and sort of thought, how can this be relevant today? How does this apply to the Easter story? Um, and for me, Easter, we can get so sort of caught up in the whirlwind of chocolate and Easter egg hunts <laughs> and the Easter bunny. And those things are great. I mean, they made up my childhood. I'm sure they've made up yours and Annie's and Jude's. I mean, they can play a huge, huge part. But it's really important to not focus on those earthly goods and actually draw our attention. What is the important thing? I mean, it's clearly mm. the resurrection the, or the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, so for me, what was stood out is having that stark comparison of how is it applicable today yeah. and how can we move on in our lives to look at it and put that emphasis on where it's really important. Yeah, yeah that's really yeah. good. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks. But are, are Easter eggs still okay? Easter eggs are more than okay. Oh, actually, right, more than okay. More than okay. <laughs> if you're joining us in the garden next week, um, I'm hoping to do a little demonstration with an Easter egg, um, which I can take absolutely no credit for. <laughs> I've nicked it from someone from school, but they did it in assembly. I thought it was amazing to show how an Easter egg you can actually really sort oh, of we'll enjoy the chocolate but get the meaning of Easter well, yeah, well, don't, as well. Yeah, don't give the, the whole thing away. No, 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 I won't. That's, that's, no that's a nice teaser. Yeah. <laughs> nice teaser. Yeah. Come next Sunday to join us. We'll yeah. tell you more about that in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, and you've also been looking at the Easter story, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I have been. The good thing about the Easter story is that it's in all of the Gospels, so no matter which one you <laughs> <Yes>. pick, <laughs> you get a part of it. I've been looking at Luke, which is one of my favourite ones to that read. That in itself, that's quite quite significant. It's a point that we, we take for granted, really, because there are four different accounts, aren't there? And there are differences between them, and yet the the people that put the scriptures together originally, who were kind of very early believers, they, they seemed okay with those different perspectives and, and accounts, whereas nowadays we'd be much more focused on let's have the exact mm. verbatim what, what happened. We want oh, well, real news. We, we would want the uh, the blow-by-blow blow yeah. kind of 1442 and an update on Twitter and then 1443 yes. and what happened. I don't know why I did it in that voice. That's always <laughs> my nerdy voice. Is, is that the voice you get when you do Twitter? I don't know. I haven't done Twitter. <laughs> I haven't really done Twitter right either. Right. I think that's how everyone on Twitter It's a sort of a twitty voice. Uh, maybe yeah. a tweeting voice. Um, I've been looking initially at the story, the Palm Sunday story, which is this Sunday. It's what we celebrate yeah. in the church traditionally today. And lots of people will have palm crosses that they're given mm. today at church. Or um, if when I was a kid, I remember waving um, palm leaves. Well, I'm not sure if they were real leaves or if they I, were. I don't pretend think they've been palm leaves. leaves. A bit, bit um, difficult to get hold of in Worcester. Some sort of leaf <laughs> yeah. and waving those around. But thinking about that entry into Jerusalem yeah. and um, Ellie you mentioned or um, we were talking about the the fact that Jesus didn't look like what the Pharisees were expecting he yeah. wasn't the Messiah everyone wanted on a big war horse with an army of I don't know angels or something coming to attack everybody Jesus turns up on a donkey a baby donkey oh we didn't do a baby <laughs> donkey um, it's a cult by the a way cult. Yes. A cult. interesting thank you very much for that just bank that one away <laughs> that I love and as I was reading it it just jumped back out at me again and and it's been something that's been in my head for a while and you'll begin to see why is the bit where the Pharisees say to Jesus can you shut these people up they're making a big old fuss and really you're just some bloke turning up on a donkey why is everyone getting so excited um and you sort of do wonder why everyone's getting excited and then Jesus says this mad thing he's like if they weren't talking even the rocks would start crying out. And I absolutely love that verse. And it's been, it's one that sort of sits with me and I just think, isn't that cool? And it's a bit like in the Psalms when David is saying, the mountains are singing and that's the right. trees yeah. are clapping their hands. And obviously that's, there's imagery to that and it's very poetic, but it's, it's cool as well that the earth, literally the earth god's creation will celebrate who god is and what he does and i i i mean i kind of wish that jesus had said guys just shh, listen <laughs> listen for the rocks um, and maybe they would have cried out who knows but i think as i've been thinking about it and thinking about the story there's a bit later on when um when jesus actually dies on the cross and it talks about the other things that happened at that time there's an earthquake there's an actual earthquake and the rocks split apart. And again, it is the, it's the physical earth reacting mm. to what is going on spiritually at this mm. time. It's like there's this big spiritual moment and the earth physically reacts to it. And then again, there's a big old rock guarding a tomb and the rock gets rolled away and it's just it's just rock central in my head today <laughs> um, and it is in part actually why we have easter rocks can you believe it it's not link. just that's, that's so good well it's not i want it's it's not even because it's a fun pun or anything yeah. else but one of the reasons that we are using rocks 
around the park to just to spread a bit of Easter joy is actually because Jesus said the rocks would cry out. So our rocks are literally crying out the good news of Easter um, in the park. So there is a little link there. Go to the park, find it. It'll be really good. Um, but I, I really love the way that it's like the earth cannot contain its own excitement. The earth knows what's coming. Heaven knows what's coming. The Pharisees have got no clue. Um, Jesus' disciples don't know what's coming. But it's like there's this, this immense, epic, heavenly storyline that is about to come to its climax at the cross. And the earth is in preparation and is getting ready and actually to the point where the rocks are going to break apart and scream the praises of God. Yeah. And I just think I've not viewed it with quite that lens before, of that perspective. Yeah. And it brings in the, this whole idea that, that salvation, that sort of good news, is good news for, for everything. It's not just salvation for individual people, but it is the whole of creation. Because Paul picks it up in one of his letters yeah. and he talks about the whole of creation holds its breath, standing on tiptoe, waiting for actually the the children of God, that's us, to to be revealed. Because what God is doing is is not just tied into us as as creatures, but it is tied into the whole of creation, to all the creatures, all the 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 globe, all the cosmos. And it's just uh, it 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 puts the, the crucifixion as a much more central thing to the, the history of the universe, yes, yeah. which we don't normally describe because it's, we, I mean, we rightly focus on ourselves, I suppose, and on individuals and on uh, people that don't know Jesus and, and how good it can be for them. But it, uh, it does give a very different angle. Do you think, do you think anybody at the time would have, have picked up on that? Well, I think there's something about the fact that actually this is just a bloke turning up at Jerusalem on a donkey. He would not be the only person arriving at Jerusalem on a donkey that day. And the fact that people, the crowd do get really caught up in it. And I think there's more to that than just there is There is some imagery from the Old Testament of the, the king riding. There's a prophetic word about your king uh, coming to you on a a donkey and so I think a lot of the crowds saw the, what Jesus was doing as the fulfillment of that but again misunderstanding it thinking this is the fulfillment of it so that we can oust the Romans yes. uh, rather than the the enormity of what salvation was. But then there's also the moment when Jesus actually is he dies on the cross and the yeah. moment that he dies there's a there's a Roman centurion who's there overseeing the execution yes. and the sky goes black and the rocks crack apart mm -hmm. and somewhere in the temple there's a big old commotion because the curtain is being literally torn in torn, two yeah. and that must I mean I don't know if they'd have been able to hear that but there would have been some sense of there's something going on at the temple. Well, well the, the point at which it was torn if if my understanding is correct because this is the Passover so this is the this is the, the key moment in the whole year for the the Jewish calendar and the point at which the the curtain tore was the point at which they were sacrificing the Passover lamb in the temple and and so the temple would have been filled with people and so you know it's not like it took 
place in the temples at night and they went in in the morning and oh my goodness the the curtain storm but it was full of people and apparently it was quite a thick thing so it probably would have made quite a ruckus when they when they did it and um so it was an incredibly public statement again yeah so again all of that's happening and what we get recorded in the gospel is that the centurion is stood there mm. overseeing the execution who's not from a jewish who's, background he's not jewish he's also i don't know how much of the story he's followed or whether he's turned up just to do the killing bit but he stands there and he says surely this man is the son of god he has a moment mm. and i think it's those moments that get picked out in the gospels where again it's a god told this guy that he he's seen all this stuff going on but that's a god yeah. moment yeah. and because he sees he must have seen plenty of people die yes and plenty of people be crucified yeah. so i i think i mean and i'm sure that other people throughout the story of jesus we see the people who recognize who he is yeah there's not many of them but we we see who those people are and we also know that sometimes it happens for a while and then it's like they forget um and and yet i think this story of seeing how there's this kind of build up to something enormous um and then the moment when jesus then is dead Hmm. And yeah, so the centurion for me is one of those guys who he only gets a little mention, but I think he's quite, quite amazing to have recognised that. There's a, a film which you probably neither of you seen, but um, uh, quite an old film. And the centurion is played by John Wayne, you know, who always played a cowboy or a hero or something like that. And he says in this, I'm not even going to try and imitate his voice, but he says in this, this kind of deep American, almost Texan draw, surely this man was the, the son of God. And you just think, that's an incredible statement. I mean, it's very dramatic in the context of the film. They focused on him because it was John Wayne and they just wanted to have him say a dramatic line. But uh, it is, it's a dramatic thing. And it's recorded for um, forever for us all to read. What about you? What well, stood out for I'm you? one of these people that's read this stuff millions of times, you know, because I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about the encounter between Jesus and Pilate. So this is... Uh, They've already had a, an interview, or Pilate's interviewed him, because the, the Jews uh, who brought Jesus to Pilate, uh, at least those that have done that, and it wasn't all the Jews, of course, but those that have done it have uh, one thing in mind. They want Jesus executed. They can't do that because the Romans are in charge. They bring him to the Romans and said, look, can you sort this out for us? So Pilate... And I've read this many, many times, and I still don't quite understand Pilot as a character. I, for a long time, thought he was an actual aeroplane pilot. Did you? Yeah. I mean, I was a child, obviously, yeah. but still... I, I blame your parents for giving you the wrong, <laughs> wrong impression there. I've imagined him with, like, a, like, an actual pilot hat. Yeah. Um, and a silk well, scarf, you know, a bit like Biggles. I've learned, I've learned that um, at the... Uh, the Passion Play, which is in Worcester on Friday, and yeah. um, he's going to have a Roman guard's helmet with a black plume. Oh, really? Yes, yeah. I learned wow. that the other we'll day. We'll look out for that. You should. Yeah. Sorry, um, that was a slight digression. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, Pilate has Jesus flogged in this awful and barbaric manner, and then Jesus comes back to Pilate. Pilate still does not feel that he can justify this this man's death even though he's still being asked to to do that and at one point uh 
Uh, this conversation goes on between Pilate and Jesus. Uh, where are we? Uh, Pilate heard this. He was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into... Remember, Pilate, I mean, he's, this is a tough guy, you know, and he was frightened about something. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realise I have the power to release you or crucify you? And Jesus says, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. And so I, I really have read that, I don't know how many hundreds of times over the years, but it, it, suddenly, it was one of those occasions when a light went on and I, I just saw something of the, the fact that it is God who is permitting this whole thing to go on. And there's been quite a lot of controversy over the years about why would God be so cruel as to do this to his son and, you know, what sort of God is that? And I, I mean, I understand those, those kind of questions, but here is something that is so dreadfully wrong with God, what God originally created. He has to go to the most extreme lengths and he has to allow something so awful. I remember that in some very inexplicable way, very, very mysterious way, it's not that Jesus is just the Son of God. He is God himself. I mean, this is, this is God standing before Pilate. And he's, he's saying, I am submitting myself to this. I am allowing this. And you, you wouldn't have any power unless I, in my overall cosmic capacity, had allowed that power. And then you make the choices within the power that, that you make. And it was... It's very difficult for me to, I don't really understand it fully, but it's difficult for me to put into words even the fact that somehow God is allowing this. He is permitting the whole thing to, to take place. But the people he's created still have choices within it. Pilate had a choice. Judas had a choice. The, the, the Jews, the ruling Jews had choices. The crowd had choices. Everybody had a choice. And then later on, um, Jesus has died and the two people who take him down from the cross, uh, both been in the story before, one called Nicodemus and one called Joseph of Arimathea, which is just fun to say. Which one? Joseph of Arimathea. And oh, no, I prefer Nicodemus. Oh, you like that, do you? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, this is, I'm taking it very base level again, because it's got the word Nickers in it, you made me laugh as a child. <laughs> okay, so we won't talk about that, no. but it says both of these characters had been fearful before. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he was afraid of what people would say. Joseph of Arimathea had been fearful of the ruling Jews. And yet now, after the crucifixion, they've seen something. They realise something. Something has clicked for them. And they do something very, very public. They take the body. They prepare it for, for burial. They put it into a tomb. And the response that they made following the, the death of, of Jesus is is a positive response toward the, the offer that God is making to everybody, um, not just to, to those around at the time. And so that's, that's one of the things that really struck me about the story. And I think, I mean, the bit we haven't really touched on, but the, the best bit of the story, as it were, is, is the ending. And I always, I'm always like, spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus doesn't stay dead. No, he doesn't. Um, and I think that is 
that's what we that's what we celebrate Easter yeah. Sunday, and almost we're we're getting ahead of ourselves by hitting. Yeah, come next week. Hitting to, we're a week ahead of ourselves yeah. basically. But he comes back to life, and I think that moment and the obviously that's the culmination of the the story, the big cosmic story. That's yeah. what that's what God's plan has always been working towards is curtain torn god with his people jesus has conquered death but i also think from the human perspective um the the individuals in the story the disciples who've gone into hiding the the guys who were brave enough Mm. to actually take his body down and put it in a tomb Pilate, who has been sort of forced into a scenario by the people, but then also is laying down the the Roman law. All of these people are about to get blown out of the water by something so unexpected, but completely life-changing for everyone. And then you get these, the Pharisees who are still like, they've got a risen Jesus in front of them, and they're like, no, don't believe it. Um, Did that voice again. I did that voice. Well, that's, it's clearly a Pharisee voice. And and I guess that's the that's the goodness and the and the joy and the excitement yeah. of Easter. That's that's why we have eggs and a new life and baby animals, isn't it? Is and that's why we we do all this because it's all about it's all about Jesus and it's all about Jesus um, defeating death and making a way possible for everybody to to know Him in a very different way. Um, time has gone on, and Hasn't uh, it just? we could go on, but we won't. Because uh, if anybody is still watching, thanks very much. Hope you've enjoyed our chat. Uh, thank you, both of you. Make it thank much more you. interesting than just me. And uh, I should hand back to you two.